chapter 11. As we continue through Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. This passage this morning represents a thought transition in the letter. Paul has been talking about how the members of the church were exercising their, were to exercise their rights and their liberties in the world, outside the context of gathered worship. But here Paul begins to talk about how the members of the church should exercise their rights and their liberties within the church, within the context of worship. Uh, there is a shift from the life of the church in the world to a life of the church in the church. And the Corinthians are encouraged to conform their worship practice to that of the universal church. Now we've already seen as we've gone through Paul's letter here that the church there in Corinth, Corinth was, well, was a city that was uh, steeped in, in immorality and sin and God had placed this church there in the midst of this, of this city. There were pagan temples. There was pagan worship. There was idol worship. All these things going on. And Paul has been uh, trying to tell the Corinthians that you cannot worship God and the world or God and Satan. You can't hold hands with both. And so he, he's told them how they are to conduct themselves uh, to the glory of God outside the church. And now he brings it inside the church. And he's going to talk about how we are to conduct ourselves. How we are to uh, bring glory to God when we gather together in the church. Begin reading with me with verse 1 of chapter 11. We will read the first 16 verses. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not made for woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made for man, so man was now born of women. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, I know everybody loves this passage. Right? I heard somebody say no. <laughs> I 
Listen, folks, I want to tell you, I cannot tell you how many times I have been told by, by professing Christians how much the Apostle Paul hates women. And that's just not true. And we're going to see that as we go. So, you know, there, there are some misconceptions about this passage. Uh, there is a significant cultural difference between where we are and where the Corinthian church was. But the principle remains the same. This passage isn't just addressed to women. Uh, there's actually a, a balance between men and women in this passage. And here, here's what we need to understand what Paul's trying to do. When we gather in here for worship, this is important. Okay, We need to remember that God has, has laid out for us how He is to be worshipped. How we are to, get, to conduct ourselves when we gather together to worship. And we have no right whatsoever to move away from what God has laid out. As a matter of fact, we can find in the Bible what happens to people when they decide to just worship God ever how they please. You remember Aaron? He had two sons. Aaron, the high priest, had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. And it says that they offered strange fire on the altar. And instantly God killed them. Right then. God takes serious how we worship. It's important how we worship. And so we need to understand here that the issue at hand here that Paul is talking about was attire uh, and, and how we conduct ourselves in worship. Some men were wearing head coverings uh, and or growing their hair out in a way that reflected idolatrous worship. There in verse 4 he says, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Now when it says that I pray with my head uncovered and I dishonor my head, not talking about this head, talking about that head. Talking about Christ who is the head. And, and some, uh, it, it was an attempt to assimilate the idolatrous culture of Corinth into the church. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do we see that happening today in our churches? We see that they're bringing in, you know, it's an interesting thing. I read an article the other day, and it was written by uh, Scott Aniel from G3 Ministries. And he was talking about music. Music is wonderful. Music is a part, a part of our worship. But did you know that there's really no such thing as a genre of worship music? Do you know that a hymn theologically correct, written 400 years ago, is just as much a worship song as a modern song today is. But we have made, we, we, we call it worship music, as if that's a different kind of music in the church. And it's not. And, and so when we gather together, we, we sing songs, we, we praise God, we're here to, remember what Paul told us at the end of chapter 10? He said, do everything to the glory of God. Everything is to be done to the glory of God. And so uh, the, we, we see today they, they, bring in, they bring in more secular music into the church in order to do what? Draw more people in. They, they uh, okay, that's just me. I hope you agree with me, but you don't have to. It irks me to no end to see a man standing up there preaching, wearing a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. 
No respect for the Word of God whatsoever. But you know what? That helps people feel comfortable. Listen, folks, I want to tell you something. And, and you may not like this, but I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm not here to make you happy. We are here to proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are called to do. But in Corinth, that's exactly what they were doing. Now, now the thing was that some of the temple prostitutes in the pagan temples, one of the things that they had was they had uh, male prostitutes who would dress up and grow their hair long and, and would, to give the appearance of being a woman. And Paul says, that's not right. That's not natural. Yeah, anybody see any of that going on today? Listen, I want to tell you something about this whole transgenderism thing. Okay, and you need to listen to what God says. God says <clears throat> it's an abomination. And do you know, I, I read an article the other day by, uh, I can't remember the girl's name. You probably know who I'm talking about. With all this transgender men getting into women's sports. And she was saying, I don't understand. She said, every woman in America or in the world should be offended by this. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. I'm not worried about whether women are offended. And she doesn't need to worry about whether women are offended. We need to worry that the Creator that Paul just said he made them male and female, the Creator is offended. That's who's offended. And so these men in Corinth, and listen, there, there's nothing wrong with a man wearing his hair long. And I can tell you that what Paul says, I know what he says there, but, but that can't be what Paul means when he just simply says, it's a shame for a man to wear his hair long. We have to look at it in the context of what he's saying. And the reason I say that is because in the Bible, we find something called a Nazarite vow. Samson was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. And one of the things, one of the conditions of being a Nazarite was you never cut your hair. And their hair grew long. So it can't be that, that Paul is just simply saying, men, you've got to wear your hair short. That's not what he's talking about in the context here. He's saying you're coming into the church and you're, you're, you're looking like those outside the church. You're acting like those outside the church, thinking that you can bring it in here and assimilate pagan culture into the church. And we can't do that. We have to be careful that, that, that we don't do this. And there were some women who were avoiding the common practice of wearing their hair up or wearing a covering of some sort of their head for doing worship. And this was scandalizing the culture. It was bringing the culture in. And, and so the church, in the church, women were to be full participants in the worship of God within the church. Now, that was scandalous in Paul's day because, you see, in the Jewish temple, women were put off to the side, and there was usually a veil that covered them. It's like they weren't even there. And in, Paul's, in, the, in the culture of Paul's day, women were treated as no more than just property. Women had no rights. Women had nothing. And, and what Paul is saying here is, here's what Christ has done for you, ladies. He has elevated you. To where, he, where you belong. Men and women are equal, he says. 
We are all equal here in the church. And so uh, we need to understand the, the, the context of what Paul is saying here, that, in, that Christianity recognizes the full equality of the sexes. And there in verses 11 and 12, Paul calls on the Corinthians to recognize this quality. He says, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so, ma so man is now born of woman. All things are from God. Goes all the way back to the book of Genesis when God created Adam. And he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. So God took a rib from Adam and he created a woman. And that's what Paul means there in verse 11 when he says, or verse 12 when he says, for as woman was made from man. But I want to tell you something, folks. Ever since that day, man has come from woman. We must understand that we cannot elevate one group above another in the church. Today, Christians can approach God regardless of their age, their ethnicity, their class, or their gender. And the Corinthians were neglecting this order of worship. They were bringing the world into the church. And when you do that, it will result in absolute chaos. It will result in a worship that does not please God. And listen, <clears throat> we're not here to worship in a way that pleases you or me. We're here to worship in a way that pleases only God. He's the only one that matters. Did you know that? He is the only one in this room that matters. And so Paul, so, so this is the background of where Paul is. And, uh, you know, Paul's purpose, you know, the, the Corinthians were claiming, you know what, we are free in Christ. We have a right to dress the way we want to dress, to act the way we want to act, to do what we want to do. And Paul says, yes, you do. You remember what he said in chapter 10? He said, all things are permissible, but not all things are good. In other words, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so Paul's purpose is not to cause the Corinthians to abandon their freedoms and their, their liberties, but to direct them in a way that glorifies God in worship. And, and if we come in here and we seek to glorify God, if that's our sole purpose, then we have done what we are created to do. Look at verse 3. Paul says, But I want you to understand that the head of every woman is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. <clears throat> I know all you ladies love that verse. But you need to understand what Paul is saying right here. Paul is in no way is Paul saying that a woman is inferior to a man. That is not what he's saying, and we'll see that as we go along here. He's, Paul says, the head of Christ is God. The head of the wife is her husband. And it cannot be understood to, to denigrate or downplay or threaten a wife's stance as equal because Christ also has a head. Listen, we believe, the Bible teaches us, that God exists as a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are co-equal, co-eternal. But yet, we will see that the Son, God the Son, joyfully chooses to submit Himself to the Father. Now listen, ever since radical feminism has infiltrated the church, that word submit has become such a dirty word. 
But I want to tell you that word submit is a glorious word. Listen, we are never, ladies, this applies to you, men, it applies to you. We are never more like Christ than when we are in submission. And we are never more like Satan than when we're in rebellion. And so we are to submit, but submission is a good thing. The Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as I said, they are co-equal. They are co-eternal. They are equal in being and essence, but they willingly choose to fulfill different roles. Listen, in my household, my wife, she's not inferior to me. In some ways, she's superior to me. But I'll tell you something, in our home, I'm not inferior to her. In some ways, I'm superior to her. I want to tell you, I am superior to my wife at being a man. She is superior to me at being a woman. It's not a matter of who, who's in charge. That's not what it's about. It's about being in submission and choosing to be in submission because that is the way that God has laid it out. And, and looking at Jesus and, and recognizing his willingness to subject himself to the will of the Father is a sign of humility and it's a sign of strength. It is not a sign of weakness. And looking at the husband and wife relationship from that lens frees us to be able to see the beauty of it. Okay, here's what Paul's saying. He said, you have the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the, the God that has always existed, the self-existing one, the one who is sovereign. And God the Son has willingly placed himself under the authority of the Father. The Holy Spirit has willingly placed himself under the authority of the Father and the Son. You know what Jesus said? He said, I did not come to do my will. I came to do the will of my Father. And then later Jesus said, we will send you. Who's he talking about? We, the Father and the Son. We will send the Holy Spirit to you. One God in three persons. And, and we see that, that the sovereign God of the universe... God the Son submits himself to the will of his Father. And so here's Paul's point. He's saying, ladies, when you're told to submit to your own husbands, he said, you're being like Christ. You're being like Christ. And we see the beauty of this. Uh, look at verse 7 through 9 again. <clears throat> Paul says, for a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Ladies, you realize what a, what a compliment that is? But woman is the glory of man. For man is not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. We were all created. There's a creational order here. And the heart of Paul's teaching is, do not unintentionally scandalize the order of creation. You know, Paul tells us... <clears throat> Have you ever wondered, let me, let me back up here. Let me, have you ever wondered there in the book of Genesis? Here are Adam and Eve in this paradise, beautiful garden, free to do what they want, to do anything. To, I mean, Adam's naming the animals. They're, they're, God comes and he walks with them and they can eat anything they want except from one tree. And so one day, the serpent comes. He knows the order of creation. 
But he doesn't go to Adam. He goes to Eve. You ever wondered why that was? Why would he go to? And you know, Paul tells us that in the fall that Eve de uh, was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. See, Satan knew what he was doing. He was disrupting the order, the hierarchy that, that God had set up. And so God created male and female in his image and each gender, all two of them, have the privilege to display the image of God. Even though we're completely equal. There's an order in creation. And when Christians display this creational order in worship and in marriage, God is pleased. Is that not our goal? To please God? Paul's essentially saying everyone willingly submits to something. I used to pastor a church that had a lady in the church that uh, she was an older lady and she'd never been married. And I asked her one day, I said, you know, I was just joking with her. And I said, you know, how come you've never been married? I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, you know what? She said, no man is going to tell me what to do. No man is going to tell me where I can go, what I can do and all this. And I asked her, I said, well, what do you do for a living? She said, well, I work for an insurance company. I said, are you the boss? She said, oh, no. I said, I said, well, tell me about your boss. She said, well, he's a very successful man. And I said, so wait a minute now. You just told me that you will let no man ever tell you what to do or what you can go or what all this. I said, but yet you go every day and let one do it. I said, do you see the hypocrisy in that? And so Paul is saying, look, everyone willingly submits to someone. Don't conduct yourself in a way uh, that would dishonor the one to whom you are to submit. Listen, gentlemen, <clears throat> whether you're a husband, a father, single man, it doesn't matter. We have a higher responsibility. One day I will stand before God and I will give an account of my life. I'm the one that will be held responsible for being the priest in my home, for teaching my family, my wife, my kids, my grandkids how to pray, how to worship God, how to study and, 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 and read the Word of God. I will be held responsible because that is the way I, I am to be. In, Christ is, is my head. My wife won't be held responsible for that. I will be. And you will be. All of us who are men. So we need to understand this, that, that we are not to, to conduct ourselves in a way that would bring dishonor to the one to whom we are to submit. Men, don't dishonor God by adopting idolatrous practices in worship. And women, don't dishonor God and your husband by adopting a, uh, any kind of dress that calls submission into question. See, this is the thing here. See, a lot of these women, uh, the, the, the women in Corinth... One of the things they did was they would wear their hair down long. And Paul says that the women in Corinth in the church had adopted that lifestyle. 
And Paul says, don't you understand that by having your head uncovered, you are dishonoring your husband. The women in Corinth didn't care. And Paul says, but the women within the church should. I remember, you know, I love to read and watch anything that has to do with World War II. And I remember watching a, a, a documentary on it one time and when Germany invaded France. <clears throat> And the Allies come in, and we drove the Germans out of France. And it shows these newsreel footage of this, I mean, huge throng of people in the streets in France. And they, were, they had lined up there several women that they had taken and shaved their heads. Because they, had, they were women who were known to have collaborated with the Nazis when they came in. And, and they were taken, and they had their heads shaved, and they were paraded through the streets as a sign of shame. And Paul is say, using that, that, that th same thing right here, that uh, women should not have their heads uncovered. And we should not dishonor those to whom we are to be in the submission. And Paul's insinuating that some women were avoiding the common practice of wearing a covering of some sort on their head during worship, whether it was wearing their hair up or whether it's wearing something on their head, either way. He says, you're, you're, you're looking like, Paul again is saying the same thing he said to the men. He said, don't bring the idolatrous practices of the women of Corinth into the church. Just like he told the men, don't bring the idolatrous practices of the men of Corinth into the church. He said, it doesn't belong, it won't work. Look at verse 13. Paul says, judge for yourselves, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for, here, for her hair is given to her as a covering. Paul, he, he's probably addressing the overemphasis or tradition that threatens personal liberties. You know, if you go back to verse uh, 1, I mean verse 2 again. Paul says, now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. Now, when Paul uses that word traditions, he's not using that word like we would say it. Like, you know, at Christmas we have a tradition that we do this. Or in the church we have a tradition. That's not what he's talking about. When he says traditions, he's talking about doctrine. He's talking about teachings that he has brought into the church. And so they, they, they were taking the the the, the their personal liberties. You remember what Paul said in chapter 10? He said that everything I do, everything I do as a husband should be done with my wife in mind. Everything I do as a pastor should be done with the church in mind. Everything I do should always be done with somebody else in mind. And, and stop looking at me and look at everyone else. Paul says, yes, you have a right to do this. You have a right to do that. You're free in Christ. But if your freedom causes a weaker brother or sister to stumble, he said, then stop it. He said, it's no longer a freedom now. And, and so they were taking their freedoms and they were, they, they, they were running wild with their freedoms. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Paul, as I said, he, he obviously knows that a man can have long hair because of the Nazarite vow. But as I said, he's talking about those who were wearing their hair in such a way that they imitated the, the, the male temple prostitutes. And listen, God desires Christians to reflect the Trinitarian and creational orders in such a way that we do not unnecessarily scandalize those to whom we are to submit. 
I am to live my life. Everything I say, everything I do, everything I wear, and say I don't want to bring dishonor to Christ. And ladies, Paul says that you are to conduct yourselves in your speech, in your dress, in your actions, in a way that does not dishonor your husband. And therefore, not dishonor Christ. It's the way that God has put it. And, and the call for expressing one's freedoms within the order that God has set in creation, uh, or order that, that that order is intended to lead to maximum human flourishing. You are never more pleasing to God than when you're in submission to the one to whom he has put over you. You know, I remember old Pastor Adrian Rogers used to say, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people <clears throat> who want to be at the top. A lot of people who want to be in charge in marriages, in churches, in businesses, whatever. But he says, here's the thing. You will never, ever know how to be over until you have first learned how to be under. And that's what Paul is saying, that we need to maximize what God has given to us. The prescribed order that we find in creation is a result of God's good design, and it is intended to reflect His very nature. The very nature of God. The Son of God willingly submitted in order to secure our salvation. You know, there in the garden when Jesus prayed, and He said, Father, if it be Your will... Let this cup pass from me. What if he just said, stopped right there and said, Father, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I'm not going to obey you in this. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. We'd all be on our way to hell. That's what would have happened. But Jesus, the Son of God, willingly submitted in order to secure our salvation. And the loving submission that we see on display in the Trinity offers us a window into what human relationships might look like. Listen, Jesus did not submit to the Father and say, you know, I really don't want to do this, but I have to, so I'm going to. I don't really don't want to do this, but the Bible says I have to do it, so I'm going to do it. If you go into it with that attitude, you're being just as disobedient as if you didn't do it. Jesus lovingly and willingly submitted to his Father. You know, in another place, okay, ladies, maybe this will make you feel better. In another place, Paul tells us that we are all to submit to one another. That word submit is a good word. And the relationship that Christ has to the Father is the ultimately ultimate desirable relationship. And it takes the shape of willing submission. And this allows us to see that submission is not a denigration, but a beautiful expression of love. Right, ladies? Right, gentlemen? A, a demonstration of love. Ultimately, Christ, though He is ahead, laid down His life for His church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. You've probably heard this before, but I want to read it again. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading with verse 22. This is Paul again, speaking to the church in Ephesus. 
<clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Now I want you to tell me who has the harder thing here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. All right, so my wife is told to submit to me as to the Lord. But I'm told to be willing to lay down and die for my wife. And Paul says, this is the, this, this is the, the, the responsibility of headship. Christ is my head, and he willingly laid down his life. For his bride, the church. And he died for it. Poured out his own blood. Suffered the wrath of God. And then God tells me to be ready to do the same thing for my bride. And we are to be in submission. All roles in Christian marriage are informed by Christ's relationship with the church. John Calvin one time said that every home should be a little church. The relationship that I have between, uh, with, with me and my wife should reflect the relationship that we as a church have with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? There's nothing uh, uh, dictatorial or heavy-handed about Christ's relationship with His church. Jesus lovingly and willingly gave himself for us. All of this is from God the Father, the head of the Christ, and from Christ, who is the head of the church. And this grace drives us to live lives that reflect God's good creational order in a way that compels us. And the relationship of a Christian man and woman... Uh, become the mystery that displays the, the, the glory of the gospel to the world. Tell me something. Do you, you think the people at Corinth looked at the women, in, uh, I mean, the, the people that lived in the, in the city of Corinth, do you think they looked at the women in the church, the ones who claimed to know Christ, and see them in submission to their husbands and say, well, why would she do that? What causes her to do that? What compels her to be in submission to her own husband? And that Christian woman saying, let me tell you, his name is Jesus. You see how that opens an opportunity to present the gospel? He sees a, a husband, they see a husband who loves his wife. 
like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And, they say, and, and his friends say, hey, you know, why, why are you so good to your wife? Why do you treat your wife as an equal? And that Christian man says, let me tell you, his name is Jesus. And let me tell you what he did. You see how that opened up a door for the gospel? And this is what Paul, so when we come together, you know, we, we are to be in submission. Every one of us is in submission to someone. As a man, I am to be in submission to Christ, who is in submission to God. My wife is to be in submission to me as she is in submission to Christ. But you see, here's how it works. As, as, a, as a woman is in submission to her husband, God sees that as her being in submission to him. Again, it's not about inferiority. My wife's not inferior to me in a lot of, way, in a lot of ways. She's superior to me. She's smarter than I am. She sings better than I do. Right? <laughs> I'm serious. She does. But that's the point I'm making. Paul is saying, look, uh, we need to remember that, 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 that our purpose is that we don't come in here to worship with what I want, what I think, and what I desire in mind. Paul says we are to come in here and we gather together to worship, to glorify God, to please God. You know, can you, can you imagine that day standing before God and hearing Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. We are to submission, to, to submit to one another. Women in submission to their husbands. Man in submission to Christ. Christ in submission to the Father. I mean, it's a beautiful picture. And God designed it that way on purpose. Because, you know why? Because everything God did in creation... You know, on Genesis, Sunday nights, we've been going through the book of Genesis. <clears throat> We're talking about the creation and everything God creates. You know what he says? And it was good. And God saw that it was good. And when God created Adam, he said, and I saw that it was good. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. There is no other animal on earth equal to man. Not dogs, not cats, not monkeys, not anything. Man is the pinnacle. And God created Adam, and then he took a rib. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we like to think of it in the sense that God came to Adam and said, I know you're alone. I know you need a mate. Tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to create a woman for you. And Adam says, well, what's a woman? And God says, let me tell you, Adam. She will be in submission to you. She will take care of you. She will love you. She'll cook for you. She'll clean for you. And all it's going to cost you is an arm and a leg. And Adam says, well, what can I get for a rib? I love that joke. Listen, 
God has designed it and said it is good. And I have found, see, we are by nature rebellious. We, we can't help it. We're born that way with our sinful nature. But when Christ comes and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts, that's changed. And I'm no longer rebellious. I now willingly submit to the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever he tells me. What he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And listen, ladies, you come to Christ and you say, I will willingly and lovingly submit to my husband, not because of him, but because of you. See how that changes everything? And that's why when Paul says, do all things to the glory of God. All things. And that changes everything. That makes submission so much easier for all of us. So Paul is saying, look, when you come together to worship, he says, be careful what you look like. Be careful how you conduct yourselves. Be careful what you talk about. Because you see, we're called as the church to be different from the world. But sadly, a lot of times you can't tell any difference between us and them. And we must learn to be in submission to our head. And therefore, fulfill the purpose God has created us. And see that God is well pleased with it. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, Father, thank you. Thank you for the order of creation. Father, help us to understand what a good thing you have created. May we determine, Father, that when we gather here to worship, that it won't be about us. It'll be about pleasing you. Father, forgive us for how we've rebelled against you. And I pray that each one of us would be determined and compelled by the love of Christ to be in submission to those whom you have placed us over us. And that we might do it lovingly and willingly. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's turn to hymn number 265, Lamb of God.